Hi everyone, thanks again for coming to my little podcast. I am that other Laura Ingram and that's my podcast. Um, It's been a bit since I've been able to make anything for a while. It's taken me a lot of time and that's because I am, I went back to college this past this past summer. Um, uh, for those of you that don't know or are just starting to listen to this podcast, I um, have about 
a little bit more than two years of an electrical engineering degree. Um, I went, I started uh, about seven or eight years ago, almost 10 years ago now. And um, I wasn't able to finish because I had a second child and there was lots of other things going on at the time. Um, and so I just recently started going back and I'm very happy to be going back. Um, I, you know, in the middle of it ran into some trouble. I I have two kids and, and, um, I work full time. And so this was kind of like, kind of something I, it was kind of something extra that I was doing because COVID-19 started and I figured that was a good time for it. Um, it wasn't quite as good of a time as I thought it was going to be. And in fact, um, it is just, it's been so interesting. I, um, I'm trying to work out financial aid and things like that and trying to figure everything out so I can keep going. Um, I might take one semester off, even though, you know, I just finished one. I mean, the, the classes that I took this past semester were, linear algebra and, uh, introduction to programming because I am going now for my major in computer science, which has a lot of the same requirements, um, and minoring in electrical engineering, which was my original major. Um, I really like the programming part and I feel like there's a lot of opportunity coming in the future for programming. So I feel like that was, it's a good idea. And I think that, well, to just go into some of my thoughts when it comes to, um, how it would help in electrical engineering, I actually really think that, um, AI has probably very big, um, contributions to make in the world of energy management, energy distribution, energy generation. Um, I really think that probably we could streamline things a little bit more when it comes to those sorts of things. So, um, energy and sustainability has always been a a huge thing to me. Um, I come off to a lot of people as a ditz, probably because, you know, I just kind of, um, I like to be approachable. Um, I, I actually am kind of an introvert and kind of, um, you know, a bit of a, a loner, you know, which is why I'm, I'm doing, you know, I was drawn to problem solving. I'm a big problem solver and, and, um, and things like that. But I do also like, like I have two children and it's very important for me to be involved in the community and involved, um, in helping them to grow and, and, you know, so, um, it, it, I guess the thing is, is is probably it's, it's a little bit because I'm a woman. I think that, you know, I've, I've tried to avoid saying this, but I do think that it is very difficult for a woman to get involved in STEM because of how they are treated and the amount of seriousness that is given to us when we try to move forward. And I'm going off on a tangent right now. 
But like recently I've noticed, recently I've noticed that it just seems extremely difficult as a woman to, for people to accept that you have skills. Um, I I feel that, and I mean like skills as far as if there's any skills that are involved with computing or math or, or, you know, STEM fields or even a trade, um, that there's an interesting thing that I've noticed is that, you know, people expect you to prove it to them before they believe that you actually have the skill. People don't expect guys to prove that they have the skill before believing that they have the skill. If someone, if a guy says that they're an electrician or that they love science or, or anything like this, they don't require any proof. They let the, the guy just go into it and explain things. And they completely are a lot of the times, um, unless they have some sort of, uh, background in the STEM field or, or trade or whatever it is. Um, and I mentioned trades because I also work for an electrical contractor. Um, I work in the office, but, um, I've been around the electrical business my entire life. So, um, but it is more difficult as a woman, I feel, to be taken seriously when you say that you have a certain skill, especially if those skills are in those areas in some trade. But as I said, I was go- I'm going off on a tangent and I really don't mean to. I um, actually had a lot that I wanted to talk about today. Um, but yeah, that's what I've been doing. I really, um, I started this podcast and then this opportunity came up for me to go to school and I, I took it. So, um, I had to put things on the back burner for a little while while I tried to figure out what I was doing for the summer. And I took two very difficult courses over the summer. And of course they were eight week courses. So they were much, you know, packed, you know, they weren't the normal, I think it's 12 12 or 16 week courses. And so, I mean, it was almost like having two full-time jobs plus kids. And, um, I didn't even think about that when I started that, um, when I started in the summer that it was going to be that difficult, but, uh, somehow I managed and I'm very thankful that I did. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Um, I also, right before starting college, I got this equipment that I'm using right now to record. Um, a lot of this is equipment that I had a long time ago, um, that I actually sold. I, cause I, I like to record music and I've done a lot of that throughout my life. And, um, at some point I just needed the money and I, sold a lot of my instruments and I sold a lot of my equipment and, um, only recently have I been able to get a lot of it back. And so I'm very glad for that too. And, um, I'm just extremely happy. So, um, you probably noticed the, the song that was playing at the beginning. Um, that was something that I, it was a cover 
from uh, a group called Brand New. And I used to listen to them a lot. And it was, I think, from their last album. I don't think they've come out with another album since. But um, if they have, I'm sorry. But um, it was the cover that I did, um, which was the music that you heard when you when this podcast started, um, that was Can't Get It Out. That was the name of the song. So I was, I did a cover of Can't Get It Out by Brand New. And um, it took me a lot of time for me to say that. So um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I was something that I did last night. Um, I have never actually played the song before. I just wanted to learn it and record it real quick and test out the equipment. It did sound like a very easy song to learn quickly. So that's why I chose it. Um, also, I do like the song a lot. I think that it's very, um, especially right now with how I'm feeling, I've had a lot of things kind of go haywire for me lately. And um, I'm dealing with a lot, um, particularly with... Um, dealings with with family um because i i'll go into a little bit of it later probably um i was raised as one of jehovah's witnesses and uh there's some issues surrounding that with my kids and um it's just never been a whole lot of fun when when those types of things come up but now uh i want to quickly before going on i want to take a moment to thank the sponsors that helped make a lot of this possible um on patreon i have several different tiers that you can choose from if you want to contribute um but i do have uh sponsors on on patreon and that's the 20 dollar um tier level it starts at the 20 dollar tier and if you're a sponsor, I take a moment out of my podcast time and thank you for your contribution. Thank you for your help as a sponsor. Um, and I mention you by name. So this month and last month, I have two sponsors. I want to thank you double for the, you know, sticking with me for the, the past couple of months, um, or for the past month since, you know, going through college. I'm not sure if it was actually a month or a month and a half, actually, I think that I took off, but, um, thank you so much for your support through this time. I have Scott Buchanan and, um, I also have one sponsor that wants to remain anonymous. Um, both of you helped me to get the equipment that I'm using right now. And I am so thankful that you guys have helped me out so much. Um, and, I want to thank you for that. So, thank you. Um, and again, um, I'll mention Patreon again a little bit later in the episode, but if you want to contribute, um, there should be a link below in either the podcast description or in the YouTube channel or whatever, however you're watching this. Um, so, what I wanted to talk about now is something that everyone's kind of talking about. From what I've seen of the Kyle Rittenhouse shooting, I just wanted to talk about this for a little bit. 
because it is on everyone's mind right now. It is a big topic. So I wanted to talk about it. Um, I can't at all back anyone that's saying that this was strictly some form of self-protection. Let me just say very quickly that since the beginning of this entire thing, since even the protests in Charlottesville, um, since before that even probably, but at least since Char- Charlottesville, I have been saying the same thing. If you go to a protest with armor and, you know, as a militia, if you go with armor and you know, weapons, military-grade weapons and armor, uh, basically, you're there encouraging a fight. That was back, I mean, this started, you know, back then. These people were coming and things were largely peaceful. Nobody was doing anything. Um, and they were coming. And t- to me, they are the big instigators. These people coming with their guns in military fatigue and, you know, different uniforms. A lot of them, different militia, you know, right-wing militia uniforms. Um, this has been an ongoing thing for years now. Um, so you come with that, you are looking to start trouble. I don't care. Um, back then Antifa was not a big thing at these rallies. They came to defend against people like that, that were coming there with these things, which is inappropriate. It's a protest. You're terrorizing people by bringing guns to a protest, military, military grade guns to a protest. Um, I will never get behind that. Um, and there were, you know, before you just, before I just say that, um, let me get to a few reasons why. Um, but basically to me, like from the beginning, the excuse for bringing stuff like that becomes the excuse for for using it. And I think that's what happened here. And that's the thing. Firing an AR-15 at unarmed protesters, even if they have become psychotic, which a lot of these protests have, they just really have... Um, I just got a message from my son, um, and, oh, good, oh, wow, I'm happy he's been working on something, and I'm not gonna say it here, because it might embarrass him if he sees, if he ends up, you know, finding out I talked about it, so I'm not gonna say, obviously, but, like, I'm very happy for him, (laughs) good job, hon. (laughs) Um, but, uh, let's see, um, I have my notes because I can't do this without notes. I'm sorry. I need my notes. Um, but yeah. Oh, okay. That's where I was. 
the protests have become in many cases a little bit psychotic like there's some there is definitely some real problems going on at those protests but bringing an AR15 to these protests against these protesters is overkill um it's not necessary and let me just go into this a little bit i had a boyfriend that um he would go to the local firing range and shoot AR-15s there because they reminded him of the Army's M-16. Um, because it's basically the same gun. Um, and he, he told me that. Um, it's the same gun that he used in the Army almost exactly. Um, there's just a small variation between how fast it is and how heavy it is, but it's basically the same gun. It is a semi-automatic rifle. And he would go and he would specifically, because he missed the feel of the M16, um, which he used all the time in the army. He would go there just to, just to use it. And he took me there to fire and it's a powerful gun. He really had to coax me into firing it. I really did not want to. Um, he really coaxed me into doing it. And even then, like, I really just didn't didn't want to. But he did eventually get me to do it. And yes, it is a very powerful gun. And, you know, you have to have a lot of respect for it. So bringing that into a group of protesters, you know which is what people have been doing since Charlottesville, remember? Is what I'm saying. Since before that, you have these militias, these right-wing militias coming in, you know, with their guns to disturb something that's enshrined in the the Constitution, the right to freely gather, going there to uh, terrorize people. There is just hasn't been a need for that since the beginning, and now, even if things are a little bit more psychotic, um, at the, you know, a lot of it has been in response to what's been going on. And again, you do not need an AR-15 for that. Uh, it is not the type of gun that is used for crowd control. That's what Mr. Rittenhouse was using it for, though. I understand that one person that attacked him had a handgun. I understand that. Uh, but even then, both of them, both of those people with the guns, bringing them to a protest are criminals, especially if they're out there brandishing them. Um, you just don't do that. And that's the sort of thing that you should be taking a trial for. Um, neither one of them, if you bring, if you have two people, you know, toting their Second Amendment rights to bring a gun wherever they choose, and it causes a fight, something has to be done about it. It can't just be the Second Amendment. This is bigger than that, um, what's happening here. So there needs to be some sort of way to 
make sure that, um, one, there is no overkill like this. And two, that, you know, things like protests, gatherings can happen without people feeling so terrified that everyone needs a gun. Um, is that really the way that we want our society to be? Um, I know that there's plenty of people that might say yes to that, but really, I mean, really think about it. There is no need for a gun, especially an AR-15, no gun that powerful needs to be at a protest, needs to be there. Both the people brandishing their guns, whether it was a handgun or an AR-15 at a protest, should be criminalized. That should be, that's, that's a no-brainer. But instead, we're here making excuses for one of them. That gun, the AR-15 in particular, is used to take down soldiers. It is a military-grade weapon. There's no need to use it on civilian protesters. It is not a crowd control gun. So no, there's no excuse. Not, not for me. But I really didn't want to talk about any of this. I mean, I did. This is like the base for what I wanted to talk about. What I really wanted to discuss and, and, you know, starting off something that you probably, a lot of people, if you've been listening to my pro podcast before, um, or, you know, knew me from YouTube, what a lot of people probably already know about me is that I was raised Christian. Um, some people might say it's not Christian, but, um, they regard themselves as Christian, and a lot of people still do re regard them as as Christian. But specifically, I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness, a branch of fundamentalist Christian. Um, so it kind of, what I wanted to talk about has something to do with that, because I saw on Patreon this headline stating that certain Christian crowdfunding sites um, I guess the main one is Give, Send, Go. I have never heard of this place before, but, um, apparently they're actually raising money to support this terrorism from, uh, Ryan Rittenhouse and, you know, the type of thing that's been happening for, but specifically, um, to protect, you know, to defend, Ryan Rittenhouse against legal action. And like I said, both people, if there were guns there, anyone with a gun that fired it, that brandished it, should face legal action. The, apparently this Christian group is trying to raise money in defense of young Ryan Rittenhouse. Um... Like I said, this was not okay. This was an act of terrorism, just as much as the looting and destruction of property is criminal. 
So we're dealing with now Christian terrorism, Christians backing terrorism, which is, you know, one and the same. We've always said that, right? That if you are a backing terrorist, that makes you a terrorist, right? Um, those were, you know, way back when we were dealing with, you know, all the fallout from 9-11, that was always, you know, what was said, you know? I do think that it's true. If you are supporting terrorism, then you are a terrorist. So here's the thing. If you didn't think that Christianity was capable of terrorism, if you didn't think they were capable of something like this, you maybe need to look back into your history. Or maybe you need to look around a little bit. Um, of course, I mean, there was the Crusades of the Middle Ages. That was definitely a form of terrorism back then, even though we didn't call it that back. Even though that was, even though we didn't call it that back then, I mean, the Holy Wars were all about hate and um, trying to drive the Muslims out of their home. So, you know, because we believed it to not really be their home. So, um, I mean, there's, there's the history there. There's a long history, even beyond that, countless wars and countless different things that we can look to as examples of Christian terrorism. But also at the same time, there is modern examples I mean, think about gay conversion therapy. It's torture. You think that's not terrorism? Gay conversion therapy. Do you think that that is not terrorism? My father happens to be gay. And even though, honestly, we don't really have the best relationship, um... When I hear him talk about going through gay conversion therapy and having to deal with that um, due to family, um, my heart goes out to him. I mean, those stories, the way that they made him feel about himself um, and question himself really put him through a loop. It was not good for his brain. Um, listening to him talk about it and, and seeing the amount of paranoia, um, he still has to deal with due to the lack of trust he has due to things, due, due to that level of manipulation into the, his psyche, which in the end didn't change anything. So yes, it is torture. Um, that itself is a modern day form of Christian terrorism. And then of course there's other forms of terrorism, Christian terrorism. There's, you know, so many things. There's attacks against different LGBT communities. There is, you know, the oppression of certain groups, especially within fundamentalist Christianity, like the one I was raised in. Um, 
shunning, splitting up families, um, simply because of this belief that there is an Armageddon coming or, you know, that you're going to go to hell. These are all, this is, this is destructive. This is destructive to the family and destructive to our way of life and, and adds fear to people's daily lives. Many different people. Um, I'm going to say it very simply. If you don't like what someone is doing, unless they're legitimately harming another person, like physically hurting someone, and like, like sincerely, if they are physically hurting someone, I feel like I shouldn't have to get that far into it, but if they're physically hurting someone or emotionally abusing someone, um, if they're neglecting a child, you know, those are the types of things, um, you know, not giving a child, you know, their needs, their food, you know, if they're a parent and they're in responsibility of the child, um, then, you know, obviously you need to do something about it. Call the authorities. Um, but if, if they're just doing something you don't like, unless they're legitimately hurting someone, just go about your business. Seriously. If they've wronged you in any way, that's another thing. If they've stolen your property or whatever, take them to court. Take a legal action against them. You know, civil action. That's another thing. You can take them to a civil court. Um, if it's not a criminal action, if it's something that they did specifically against you, um, take them to civil court. You know, all of that type of stuff exists in our society, right? And we show, we it only has value if we use it. But some Christian religions, usually fundamentalists, Jehovah's Witnesses in particular, they try to control everything so that those things can't happen. I mean, they try to control things so much that that bad things never happen. They try to stop the, the bad things before they happen. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen Minority Report, but that's almost what it's like. That is almost what it's like, except there is no proof that even that certain people are going to do one thing or another. Um, they just assume that one thing leads to another and take action against someone. Um, and not just Jehovah's Witnesses, but, but a lot of fundamentalists, Christian religions, and, and in even some larger Christian religions are still like that. They try to have so much control that they try to stop things that haven't even happened. You know, that they try to prevent anybody from doing anything. And of course, you know, if you do something like that, like I said, the example of Minority Report, there's only 
going to be chaos. There's only going to be more bad because of it. Um, it's going to be oppressive. It's going to be an oppressive environment for everyone that has to live under it. So you get more and more, um, going against it more, you know, more and more people emotionally oppressed and emotionally hurt and making poor choices because of living under nonstop oppression. Um, if you're becoming too controlling. So you bring out more hate and bad thoughts and that's what you get more than anything else if you're too controlling, too oppressive. And there's just ends up being so much negative, right? And that's something that was a hallmark in the group that I was raised in. And it's also something that they can't really seem to grasp a lot of these groups, the group I was raised in, Jehovah's Witnesses, a lot of these groups that are like that, they just don't seem to grasp what it does and how it the oppression affects a larger group with real negativity. Um, and doesn't really work the way that you're thinking that it's going to. I know there's Christian groups out there that don't think this way, that don't act this way. And I feel the need to support them. I know that they don't feel the need to support AR-15 touting terrorists and criminals to ensure that they have more order in the world. That only begets more chaos. And there's some Christian groups that do understand that. But that, those groups, those people, the ones that understand this is what you would call a good citizen, wouldn't you? There used to be a lot of good citizens in this country, many good Christian citizens right? And other good citizens as well. Now, a good citizen of any government, uh, for Jehovah's Witnesses, I'll even say the kingdom, Jehovah's kingdom, right? Because Jehovah's Witnesses are loyal, first and foremost, to what they believe is God's kingdom, their little group, but even there, a good citizen wouldn't give in to force and fear in order to maintain order. This is difficult for Jehovah's Witnesses, especially because their entire worldview is that Armageddon is just around the corner. So we all have to be good. We all have to do what Jehovah requires, right? Or we will be at the other end of his sword during Armageddon. But I think that if they tried hard enough, I think that they could find that they could just follow the Gospels and be good citizens of that kingdom that they 
believe in. And there would not be any need to give in to such fear and manipulation to make things happen. And here in the wide world that isn't Jehovah's Witness, um, or even fundamentalist Christian, most of us, we really were facing the same sort of thing, a similar dilemma. COVID-19, all these protests, and the men in the White House are actually quite terrifying too. Fear is all around us and seeming to come even from above. And our way of life appears to be threatened by people who simply believe different from each other. They seem to want to do us harm. And maybe some do. But do we also want to harm them and degrade them in return? Is that really the way? Or is it just monkey see, monkey do? We have some criminals out there on the streets, all sorts. Protesters turned looters out of fear and desperation. White supremacists and others blindly following out of fear, wielding their AR-15s probably again out of desperation. But we had values before in this country, and they're still there. They're still here. As a Jehovah's Witness, I was raised with some values that I think are pretty decent, actually. I just chose to cast off the fear and all the lies that came along with it as part of it. The terror. The terrorism that can be so rampant in these fundamentalist ideals that desire control in the face of their own fear and uncertainty. And Revelation is certainly a scary read. I get it. But you know what? I believe that love comes first. I believe it's like gravity. Gravity cannot be observed when it's just one single person or one thing. There always has to be at least two objects in order for gravity to be observable, to even exist, really. And without at least two people, there is no way that we could truly observe or understand even what love is, could we? I think the two are tied, gravity and love. I really do believe that. For those, for that very reason. Which is why I know that all the apocalyptic visions that supposedly require my fear and unyielding allegiance and all the terrorism I'm supposed to defend against or join can be dissolved by love. Love is what got... Love is actually described... It's interesting. In the Bible, 
in the New Testament even, it is described as a perfect bond of union. Union, right? If it's a perfect bond of union, union does not just happen with one person, even with God. Love makes God weak. Because if he exists, he knows he needs it. And he can either ask for it kindly or try to scare us into giving it, right? If he truly exists, love works the same way for him. If he's truly perfect, he wouldn't scare us into love. If he truly exists, love works the same for him as it does for us. It takes at least two. So why does he require it? He would be just as afraid to not have it as we are. Because without it, he would question his own existence. Just like we all need each other, right? And that is the real truth and all of it is, you know, it is what creates God is the realization and what creates evil is being afraid of, of not having that, of that not being true. I'd like to encourage everyone to get back to a place of level-headedness as much as possible. I may not be the best at that myself, honestly. But I sincerely do try. We don't need the panic mode right now. We have good values. Just like those people out there joining each other with their AR-15s, we can do that. We can join each other. We can join each other individually. We can join our families together and remember what being a good citizen and a good neighbor is and what love is. If a protester is looting or if they're brought a gun to a protest, if it's fired or brandished, they should stand trial, shouldn't they? Should they really be murdered? If they actually fire at someone, well, self-defense, of course, yes. And if there's some group of people bringing AR-15s to protest, even if it seems like things might get out of hand, again, self-defense is one thing. But if you're just bringing them, all these people bringing guns to protest to these civil events where things should stay civil, shouldn't they? So if there's some group of people bringing AR-15s to a protest, even if it seems like things might get out of hand, this is not a weapon meant for crowd control. And again, if someone, anyone, brandishes a gun in a protest, they should stand trial for it, shouldn't they? It doesn't matter if 
they claim they're a protester or if they claim to be an anti-protester. That does not matter. Does it? Let me know if I'm wrong. I'd like to end this by reciting the preamble to our Constitution, the Constitution of the United States, the thing that sets the mood for what our Constitution is supposed to stand for. Let's remember it. We the people, we the people, all of us, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, establish justice, and ensure domestic tranquility. Tranquility, people. in order to provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, secure the blessings of liberty, freedom to ourselves and our posterity, to us and our family, us and our children, us and everything that we are as part of this country do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I really appreciate everyone tuning in. And if you want to contribute, you can always go down to Patreon and contribute there. I thank you so much. And if you want to share, that's a wonderful way to contribute too. I love you know, people that share my podcast, it really helps me out because I really want to make this a thing. You know, I've got so many things on my plate right now, but, um, the reason why, but, but really the the reason why I want to do this podcast is because I think it's important to get your voice out there. If you have a podcast that you want me to listen to, I will gladly listen to it. I might not always get exactly to them right away, um, because I am very busy, but um, I will definitely try to listen to it because I think I think that this is a great way to get your voice out and to be heard and you know come across new ideas and new new thoughts. So thank you all again for watching. I am so glad that you listened and please, if you can, help me out on Patreon. The link is in the description for the podcast. And I will see you all next time. You have a wonderful day.